Everybody, when you hear that music, you know it is time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball. This is Jamie Retzke coming to you from Overland Park, Kansas on Father's Day. Yes, it's not Flag Day. It's not Groundhog Day. It's Father's Day. And all you fathers out there that are listeners, get your kids hooked on the game of baseball. That's one of the big Reasons that I do this show is to talk about the heritage of baseball, the heritage within a family, and to have fathers pass this love of this game down to their sons and their daughters. So I hope you guys out there are playing golf, playing a little catch with your kids, having a good time over the barbecue grill. I'm going to barbecue some steaks, some burgers, and uh, have some healthy food along with it which is maybe a break in my routine, but I've made a pledge to be a little healthier in light of the fact that for the second time in six months, eh, my back has experienced a little bit of pain. So enough of the spasms, drop 40 pounds in 40 days. Can we do it? Eh, Maybe 80 days. Anyway, on to the lighter side of sports and The first thing I want to talk about, and we'll get around to number 21 because this is our 21st podcast, but before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit about beanballs and uh, the return to old-time baseball for at least a couple days last week. First of all, the Braves and the Miami Marlins seem to get it on every time they have a series together. Uh, They have some bench-clearing brawls, which all comes from a bit of a beanball war last year that has carried over into this year. And that's all uh, fine and good. Nobody really gets hurt, although somebody did uh, get hurt last year for the Braves, and he was on the DL for a while, and that's never good, but it's part of baseball. Well, it used to be part of baseball. Now, you know, there's so many signs given, and high fives have turned into Man, you got to have a good routine every time you get a friggin' single. Everybody dances around. So, you know that's going to piss off a pitcher at some point. At any point, it would have pissed off early win or Bob Gibson, the two guys I come back to, Warren Spahn, Johnny Sane, you name it, Walter Johnson, boom, 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 Virgil Trucks. Doesn't matter who. Back in the old days, defined as before 1975, you couldn't get away with the crap that they get away with now. But let me reference my Cubbies. On uh, Thursday of this past week, they were there playing the last game of the season until the playoffs against the Colorado Rockies. And uh, last year, you recall, the Rockies beamed Bryant, and that put him out for a significant period of time. Then the Cubs took two out of three from Colorado back in Chicago this year. Uh, their young rookie phenom for the Rockies beat the Cubs. Uh, in Chicago, and then he returned the favor and beat him again in Colorado. But on the last game of the series, the last time the teams play, they buzzed Baez's head a couple times. That did not help the feelings of the Chicago Cubs, nor did it help when Bryant got hit a couple times. Then the pitcher got hit a couple times. Hamels got hit in the foot after, yes, little payback, to Nolan Arenado, and, you know, Arenado is, I think, one of the top three players, along with Mike Trout and Arenado and fill-in-the-blank. 
There's got to be another guy out there that is in that league of their own. Arenado's definitely in a league of his own. I mean, if you watch him hit, he heaves bat. He doesn't subscribe to the Theo Epstein launch angle crap. His bat is on the plane of that ball for for 90% of the swing, as opposed to, let's pick a cub. Their swift leadoff man um, for the cubs, and uh, his bat is in the ball hitting zone 10% of the time, Schwerber. Anyway, little contrast, but be that as it may, Arenado, like another example I gave you a week ago, gets hit in the elbow, actually in the forearm, and you know he starts to take a walk out towards Hamels. Then he looks over at Madden and starts yelling. I mean, it's a joke. He looked like a fool. I mean, Nolan, you're better than that. It's part of baseball. You hit Brian two times. You hit our guys. We're going to hit your guys. There wasn't ever a warning. There were four Cubs hit and Arenado and then one other guy in the Rockies at the end of the game. That's the only time after six guys get hit there was a warning. And and kudos to the umpire. There's got to be something in the game that references back to the good old days. You can't slide into home. You can't break up a double play. What can you do? So anyway, I thought the return to old-time baseball was kind of fun. And... uh, Man, it just doesn't happen. These guys, I'll give you another uh, an ugly, uh, horrendous example. Chris Archer, who I always thought was a great pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays slash this last week, they were the Devil Rays. They brought out the old Devil Rays jerseys. That was cool. That Devil Rays is better than Rays. I mean, come on. Um, why'd they get rid of Devil? Is that like politically correct to not have a devil in your name? I mean... My alma mater, my high school team, the Hinsdale Red Devils. We haven't changed the name. So Devil Rays would have been fine. I don't get it. But anyway, they got a crummy ballpark. Worry about the ballpark, not the name of your team. They've had great players. They've let Madden go. They let Friedman, their GM, go. But by God, they, they were correct. If somebody didn't like the name Devil Rays. Well, they pulled it out the other day. I loved it. Great uniform. Reminded me of the uh, movie, I think it's The Rookie, where... The coach hurts his arm when he's a player, comes back, and if his team wins their state title, he's going to go back and try out for the Rays. He tries out for the Rays, and he makes the team, and he does pretty well. He was a devil, Ray. I think that was the rookie. Anyway, um, there's another film like it where some 12-year-old kid becomes a star manager of the Twins and another where some young kid becomes a star pitcher for the Cubs. I love those old movies. I mean... They're great. Remember the uh, movie It Happens Every Spring where some you know, nerdy student came up with a chemical solution that would make the ball allergic to a wooden bat, and every time he th- pitched through the ball, it would do all these dancing around curve. What a great movie. I mean, is that realistic? You bet. Nonfiction, absolutely the truth. But anyway, so back to the... Uh, uh, the beadball wars and Arenado's reaction and all that good stuff. Um, it's just out of hand how how this has like, gotten out of hand. Out of hand and out of hand. So, who's hand? We're back to talking about Chris Archer. Okay, 
Here's a perfect example of the modern-day wimp. I thought Archer was going to be a good ball player for the Devil Rays. Gets traded to Pittsburgh, and everybody with the Rays organization, from their bat boy to the broadcasters, thought, eh, what a great deal. They got back some great talent, some really good talent. But here's my point. Archer gave up seven home runs in three innings the other night, never threw inside. The, there are a few Cubs that do that. There are a few players that these guys are digging in and they're hitting home runs. So buzz them, you know? Hit them in the butt, hit them in the ribs, hit them in the uh, area that's not going to hurt them. But unlike, you know, football players where they really get antsy about chop blocks their contracts aren't guaranteed baseballs are now i'm not advocating that let's hurt a guy nobody wants to hurt anybody i'm in that camp but i do think when they hit home run after home run after home run after home run you uh batten down the hatches and breeze a few guys inside it just makes sense but archer was a perfect example man he was throwing bp and uh He's a weird dude, and I didn't realize how weird he was because I thought he'd be a great fit for the Cubs when uh, when the Cubs got Jim Hickey, the pitching coach from the Devil Rays. And uh, Hickey obviously knew more about um, Archer than I did. So, you know, great team they had. Look at that. They dissolved that team, got rid of a lot of talent. That's the way things go. But that brings me back to... The 21st podcast and number 21. Let's see, the most famous number 21. Maybe one of the top 10 baseball players of all time. Maybe top five right fielders of all time. Maybe top three outfield right fielders of all time. Maybe one of the most misunderstood guys of all time. Maybe a guy whose uniform number should be retired along with Jackie Robinson and Larry Doby, none other than Roberto Clemente. A lot of people would say that Clemente was the best baseball player of all time. 18 years into his career, while trying to help people that were the victim of an earthquake, his plane goes down, and Roberto is killed in his efforts to provide humanitarian aid to victims of an earthquake. And uh, no more needs to be said about what a great man Roberto was. But I'll tell you a couple stories that, number one, other than Rocky Calavito in my lifetime, I don't know of anybody that had a better arm than Roberto Clemente. I mean, the dude could run, he could hit, he could throw. He was a five-tool guy, maybe a six-tool guy. I can't think of six tools, but if they had a little tool for brains, you'd have uh, Roberto. Now, there's a great book called Clementi that I've been reading, and its subtitle is The Passion and Great of Baseball's Last Hero by David Maranis, M-A-R-A-N-I-S-S. And the book starts out, and that's about all I've read, 
Roberto's efforts to manage and his inability to get across, similar to Ted Williams, how to play baseball because it was so natural to him. It came so naturally to him and he was so good. He had such a great talent. He was quiet, but he let his bat, glove, and arm speak for him during the baseball. Great guy from all accounts, and his number should be retired. Flat out, should not have a number 21 worn by anybody else in the major leagues. And even though that number divided by two is half of Jackie Robinson, they were co-equal. I mean, they broke different barriers, as did Larry Doby. So, when I was growing up, watching WGN, watching the Cubs when the White Sox weren't on, having to suffer through the 50s and the 60s with the Cubs, oh my God, they were so bad. Glenn Hobby, Dick Drott. Now, there was a no-hitter pitched by Don Cardwell. That was kind of fun, and I happened to watch that on TV. You know, talk about a kid with nothing to do. I watched Don Cardwell throw a no-hitter. I watched, you know, all these guys, and uh, they were so bad on the Cubs. But one thing that they always talked about with Clemente was he would intentionally look bad on a pitch trying to induce and fake the pitcher into throwing that pitch again and he usually worked usually worked out so in other words he would swing and miss and look horrible on a curveball and he was smart enough to figure out back in those days the curveball was coming again and he'd rip it and uh, he was great and again never met him I was pretty young when he played. He was one of those flannel guys. Remember we talked about the flannel the flannel generation. He had a flannel uniform for the most part, but he did play on that championship team where none other than Bill Mazeroski hit that grand slam home run to beat the Yankees in the bottom of the ninth in seven games. Whoop. The second shot heard around the world, first one being Bobby Thompson. So... There we have the Roberto Clemente story. I've left things out, but I'm trying to keep the show down to 30 minutes. So we're getting close to halfway through our show, and we haven't even talked about other number 21s. Here's a number 21 that I personally met, I personally rooted for, and even though we didn't really speak much of the same language, and I didn't meet him on many occasions, This guy typified kind of who I root for and who are some of my favorite players. And this number 21 is none other than Luis Valbuena. And like Roberto, Luis died tragically in his native land of Venezuela in a car accident last winter. And again... You know, we're following the Big Poppy episodes of his recovery after being shot in the Dominican and Ace Ventura getting killed in a car wreck in the Dominican. Man, oh man, don't go home in the off-season. Stay in the U.S. where the odds are better that you won't get killed, but you still could, I guess. It's a drab subject. I apologize. But Louis was such a nice guy. And in 2014... He had his best year in the most significant stat imaginable, and that's runs. Scored 68 runs for the 2014 Cubs, and he had his highest batting average of 
260 something for the 2014 Cubs. He's just an all around good guy. And he had played 11 years. And I mean, he was really a nice man. And I, the last time I talked to him, I was down on the field, thanks to my good buddy Dave Nelson. I had a field pass, and I was down on the field taking pictures of Nellie and Joe Madden. Why did somebody take a picture of me and Joe Madden? You know, I talked to Joe about wine, and David brought him a bottle of Rod, of uh, uh, Tom Seaver's wine, which is the best wine in the world, GTS, George Thomas Seaver. And I'm down on the field talking to Madden and shooting the breeze with a few of the other guys that I knew, and I don't know that many people. But anyway, I try to take advantage of whoever I do know going and bending their air for a few minutes. And uh, so I'm over there, and, and Val Buena comes over to me while BP's going on, and we sort of talk, although he really didn't say much in English. But I loved him. That was the last time I saw him. He was just a good guy. You know, here's... I root for guys like that. I rooted for Al Weiss, number six for the Chicago White Sox. And I think I brought up Al in podcast number six. He was a great guy. And the White Sox were pretty mediocre when he was around. I think he won a pennant with the Mets after the White Sox traded him and J.C. Merton. But I got to mention that when I played golf with Gary Peters for a few years in a row, I mentioned to Peters how much I liked Al Weiss and Two weeks later, I get a ball to Jamie Redsky, my greatest fan, signed Al Weiss. I'm assuming that was authentic. Who in the world wants a fake Al Weiss? Does anybody want a fake Al Weiss? No. Autograph, no. And I'm going to try to track down a Louis Valbuena jersey because I really like Louis, as I said. So anyway, as I tend to do, overkill. But hey, that's the way it goes. Um, Let's see. Other famous number 21. Let's talk about the bad boys, the guys that will never make it in the Hall of Fame because, well, never say never. Number 21, Roger Clemens. He may sneak in someday. And uh, I still love this guy. And, yeah, he was probably guilty of PEDs because his skin went from black to white. Got a little bubbly. I think Michael Jackson's skin sort of had the same problem. That's none other than the guy that saved baseball, along with Mark McGuire, 1997, Sammy Sosa. Everybody loves Sammy. That didn't have anything to do with the Cubs roster. I don't think anybody on the Cubs likes Sammy. I know Kerry Wood didn't like Sammy. When Sammy left after he was released by the Cubs, I think uh, Kerry Wood took great pride in going over and smashing the heck out of his boombox. And uh, the boombox apparently was rather loud and rather annoying. But nonetheless, that was one of the other great number 21s. And I really like um, Sammy. Got his jersey downstairs. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there were a few other famous 21s, but we're not going to talk about them. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to look at Harper versus Machado. It's getting a little interesting. We're going to look at my dog pound and see if anybody got out of my dog pound. We're going to look at the real teams and the wannabe teams because they're a bunch of mediocre teams. And then we're going to look at some of the statistics to see how some of these guys and teams are doing. 
we've had the draft. Baseball's two thirds left of the season. The All Star Game's coming up on uh, July 9th in Cleveland. I went to the last All Star Game in Cleveland thanks to Dave Nelson, who was coaching for Cleveland back then. Took all my kids again, father, son, bonding. We all went. Yes, kids. I think it were all of you, even though maybe one was in college at the time. But all my kids have enjoyed the benefit of not only my season tickets, but uh, close connection with Dave Nelson. Uh, even though they don't remember probably the 1985 World Series, they went to the 85 World Series. They, uh, some or all, went to the 95 World Series, the 97 World Series, the 2005 World Series, the 2014 World Series, 15 and 16. Hey, that's a pretty good run. Um, highlighting my one World Series game with my dad, and I think of that a lot on Father's Day. I really think of my dad and uh, the times we played catch. I did, this is cool, uh, the other day, cool for me. I got to play catch with my granddaughter, Ainsley, and that was a hoot. Um, we played overhand catch, baseball gloves and all, with an 11-inch softball. And uh, Ainsley pitches for her girls' softball team. She plays flag football. She plays basketball and soccer. Her brother Max plays baseball. He pitches. And uh, anyway, I had a great time playing catch with... Uh, with Ainsley, more fun than I'm sure she had, and it'll be a bigger memory in my life than I'm sure it will be for her. But right now, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back for the last 10 minutes of the show. So stick around. I hope you are enjoying this Father's Day edition. A little look back at old-time baseball, a little look back at Roberto Clemente, a little look back at Sammy Sosa. I've had fun. You've had fun. I keep trying to come up with what's the lighter side of baseball. And, um, you know, aside from bloopers, aside from bean balls, and uh, aside from a few little uh, examples, I'm not sure what the lighter side of baseball is um, very light this week. But uh, we continue to look for the lighter side of baseball. We continue to look for things that don't involve StatCast, don't involve MLB Network, don't involve over-analysis. So... We'll be back with some over-analysis and some stats in just a few minutes. And uh, Jamie Retzke on the lighter side of baseball. All right, that was a quick break. The uh, last break I took on podcast 19 or 20 was about two weeks long. I don't know why. Uh, one of my listeners commented that, hey, you know, the first half you sounded pretty excited and happy to be doing it. And the uh, second half you sounded like, uh, you know, you had just lost your pet dog. Uh, no, I hadn't lost my pet dog, but yes, I think he was perceptive. Um, I don't know why. You take a break for a, a week and a half, and you're going to come back in a different mood. But this break was short. I'm in a great mood. I'm going to probably do another podcast tomorrow before I leave for Wisconsin. I'm going to do a podcast on Thursday, this upcoming Thursday, June 20th, at Miller Park, and then hopefully shift the venue over to Ward's House of Prime. And let me tell you why. June 20th is the 75th birthday of Nellie. And although Nellie passed away last April, 
The Milwaukee Brewers continue to go above and beyond the call of duty, and they're going to have an award every June 20th, they tell me, for the Nelly Global Humanitarian Award to a resident of, of Wisconsin, not Missouri, Wisconsin. If it was Missouri, I'd move over there, and I'm sure I'd win the award. Uh, in fact, the gentleman who heads up the award for the Milwaukee Brewers, the VP of Communications and lots of other things, told me I'd never win the award. I'm a little disappointed in that, but be that as it may, the first ever award will be given out on June 20th to someone from Wisconsin who has made a global contribution. And my wife reminded me that a buddy of mine who played golf in the Dave Nelson golf tournament every year Fits the bill, and I'm going to nominate him next year, Jim Beret. Jimmy's a high school buddy of mine who is a big wig in World Vision, and he just is a spectacular guy, and he'll win it next year. I guarantee he wins the award. There you've had it. And so we have to keep podcasting at least for another year to make my one other great uh, observation come true, and I'm batting about 800 with my observations. Kimbrel to the Cubs, that was pretty good. The Cardinals have a ways to go to get into last place. Uh, but anyway, that's going to be a big event. We're going to talk with uh, Craig Kashan again and do another podcast with him. I'm going to try to interview the Nelly Award winner, and then uh, a few folks at Brian Ward's House of Prime. So man oh man it's gonna be fun that's gonna be a great time and then uh, at the flip side I'm gonna come back and go to a baseball game with a friend of mine Dennis Goobles at Wrigley he's a huge Braves fan he's from St. Louis we enjoy the fact that we hate the Cardinals together and uh, love to go to ball games together so Goobs is gonna be at Wrigley and uh, we're gonna do a little podcasting from Section 128 at Wrigley, and then during the course of the summer, I'm planning on going to uh, at least one Northwoods baseball game. Those are the kids that are from college playing wooden bat baseball in the summer that are going to be major leaguers someday. And I am looking at going to a woodchuck game near the end of their season in August. Yes, they play in Wausau, the Wisconsin Woodchucks. And how much wood can a woodchuck chuck? We don't know, but we're going to go to that ball game and check that out. So that'll be fun. So those are some of the things that are coming up. Still want to go to Philadelphia, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh. We'll see if we can work that in. Going to San Diego, Petco Park, the end of the season. Maybe get up to a game at Target Field, I don't know. I'd like to, but the summer's running out, and it hadn't even started yet. It's not June 21st. So where else do we go? We have the um, Machado Harper, and I threw in a couple other guys just to show the the guys that are winners from chemistry as opposed to dogs like Machado and Harper. So for the $330 million these bozos got, Machado's winning the average war right now, hitting a healthy 261. Are you kidding me? This guy, 261. Brutally bad. 13 homers, 38 ribbies, OPS of 794. That is mediocre. If he were up for arbitration, he'd probably get below the league average. 
And then you have Doggo Harper. He's a dog. He's even worse than Machado with batting 246 with 12 homers, 48 ribbies, OPS of 819. Now, let's look at a guy who got paid without a lot of fanfare, without a lot of Scott Boris, without a lot of hoopla. Just, oh, by the way, I just signed a 10-year contract for a lot of money. Mike Trout hitting 281 with 18 homers, 44 ribbies, OPS over 1,000. Hello, best ball player in baseball. And the second best ball player in baseball, Nolan Arenado. He's hitting 327, and he's probably gotten robbed a few times by those good defensive plays by Chicago Cubs. Got 17 homers, 57 ribbies, and 971 OPS. I mean, that is good. And so let's hear about Bellinger, maybe the next best. Him and Yelich, I think, are right up there in the top four. Bellinger's hitting 355 with 22 dingers, 57 RP, uh, RBIs. And, uh, man, oh, man, that's good. So, um, you know, Bellinger's making $605,000 a year compared to Harper Machado, $605,000 an hour. Think of that. Don't go with these old guys. Don't fall into the collusion. Don't fall into, oh, they'll help us in the playoffs. Get rid of these bozos. Go with the young guys that are good. And then reward them. But you don't have to reward them with more money. I mean, $330 million, man. You could buy a major league team, I submit, for that. And let's look at the all-pathetic team and the all-pathetic GM. And I'll get all over this guy until the cows come home. The Washington Nationals, man, their bullpen sucks, and they released my good friend Sammy Solis. What a mistake. So then Sammy gets bamboozled by the San Diego guys who promise him the moon, give him a big contract. If he makes a major league team, don't add him to the 40-man roster. So, and out in his contract, he said sayonara, literally, and headed for... Japan, where he's going to be great and come back in a year or two and be a left-handed pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. That's another prediction that you've heard here. I'll stand by that one. So we have a little bad blood between the Cubs and the Rockies, which hopefully they'll face each other in the uh, playoffs. And then we've got the dog teams and we're going to do the dog teams quickly and then I'll do the doggy guy the guy that's the best loved dog in baseball yeah this guy is loved by every team but eight he's played for every team okay the dog is to the dogs my season ticket holding Kansas City Royals led by the dog master Ned Yost and I don't know whatever happened to Dayton Moore but they suck they signed uh Bobby Witt's kid, he's going to be good. Paid him the most money ever paid. Similar to Ian Kennedy and some other bad moves. But hopefully in four years, Witt will be up with the Royals and I won't have my season tickets. That's my hope. The Orioles are the next sucky team, followed by Miami, who's trying to get out of the doghouse, followed by a new team kind of uh, in there, Toronto and Detroit. The top teams, 
the Astros, the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Twins, the Braves, the Rays, sort of the Yankees. I just can't buy into the Yankees. The Red Sox are sort of coming, and the uh, Indians are kind of going back and forth. And so that's kind of my take, a quick take on, on those guys. Now, who is the doggiest of the dogs who won't go away? The guy, like any good dog, he'll bring that bone back to his master. And I'm talking about one of the most frustrating guys I've ever watched pitch, Edwin Jackson. Now, hats off to Edwin. Number one, after every pitch, he looks at the pleat on his jersey to make sure that the pleat is parallel to his belt line. I mean, he's obsessed with that. I don't even think he knows he does it. But Edwin has pitched for 24 of 32 teams. They're, they're key. I haven't gone back and looked. But, I mean, there was a guy named Suitcase Simpson who played for a lot of teams back in the 50s and 60s when there were only 16 teams. And Suitcase Simpson maybe played for a higher percentage than Edwin Jackson, but I doubt it. Edwin has lost more games than he has won. He has won 105 and lost about 130. He is really, really, really bad. So anyway, that's the doggiest of the dogs. I can't come up with anybody doggier, but Edwin, with his 10.7 ERA this year, he just won a game for the doggy Toronto Blue Jays. So, hey, that's cool. Um, certainly not disparaging Edwin. He's getting paid money to come pitch. Keeps doing it. Unbelievable. This should give anybody who wants to play for 20 years the pitches. He's not even a lefty. That's just amazing. He's a right-handed, mediocre pitcher, but he can gobble up, he can gobble up innings. And there have been inning gobblers... Uh, in the past, and um, teams like to pay that for them, especially teams that want a low budget, don't want to win. So, you know, that's that's the dog pound report. Now, for the final part of our program, the Cub analysis. What's wrong with the Cubs? And you say, well, they're in first place. They've won 39 games, I think. Somewhere around there. They're not close to the the Dodgers have run 47. The Dodgers have a really good team. The Dodgers, like Jim Rummy, as I've said, continue to improve their hand, left-handed, right-handed. It doesn't matter. Those guys are good. The Cubs are just staying put with this nucleus, and they don't have... I went back and looked at my notes from a podcast of uh, about four weeks ago. No leadoff hitter, number one. They don't have... Um, anything but home runs to show for their runs being scored, i.e. Theo's batting tips, improve your launch angle. They don't have a really good hitting coach. They're just frustrating to watch. There's, I don't think they've scored a run on small ball in the last three weeks, and they can't win very much on the road. Now, big-time win last night. Hugh Darvish has pitched well in the last five outings. Darvish comes back to L.A. 
And this was sort of funny. So here's the lighter side of baseball. Darvish gave up game two and game seven in the World Series in 2017, I think. Got run out of town. The Cubs signed him to $126 million. Why? Who would? You know, we're on a tight budget. We'll pay Darvish $120 million and get rid of Jake Arrieta. Big mistake. But be that as it may, Darvish got rid of his interpreter this year, and he's trying hard to get his game back. Hadn't been hurt, hadn't been on the DEL, looks kind of uh, into it. And that's within the last month. I told you I went to a game a month ago, and my God, it was like, go get teeth pulled with not any Novocaine. So here's Darvish. He goes seven innings, gives up one run to the friggin' best offense in baseball, and yields the floor to Ryan, who's better than Brock, who pitches the eighth, and in the top of the ninth inning... Bryant gets hit again, and up comes Rizzo and takes a waist-high cutter and just deposits the ball in the uh, um, outfield and uh, bullpen. And uh, that's the game. Stropey comes in. Forget Kimbrell. Who needs Kimbrell? Another $50 million. No, we want Kimbrell. I'm kidding. That was a joke. Lighter side of baseball. Stropey comes in, faces three guys. I like Stropey. That's a great nickname. That's a Joe Madden nickname, Stropey. You know? Stropey. I like that. Anyway, Stropey, going to be the new setup man for the Cubs, comes in and gets the save. Only like a seven save. They've won 39 games, and they got seven saves. What's that about for their top guy? Been hurt, blah, blah, blah. What's funny about that, you ask? Okay, so ESPN or MLB Network, when you know they do so many weird things, but they did a poll of two thousand people: Will you go to the Dodger game and will you boo or applaud you, Darvish? Sixty-four percent said they would go to the game and boo you, boo you, boo who, you boo, you boo, I boo, we all boo you. So, man, might be laughing at that. It's kind of stupid, but oh, that was funny. So anyway, here I am trying to make things light. And Darvish tweets out, I saw the poll, but luckily nobody in L.A. shows up for a Dodger game for the first three innings, so I'm going to get it kind of easy at the beginning. It's going to be light. Boo light. Well, the Dodger fans apparently spread that around, social media being what it is in L.A., and they decided to get to the game, even though it's an early start, 6 o'clock, on the Pacific Coast, they got out there to boo-loo. Boo-hoo you. I'm getting a, it's a tongue twister. So the feed I listened to was the Dodgers. And man, oh man, the guy did his best Joe Buck imitation of how to hate the Cubs. But at the end, he was pulling for you to strike out the side so that he could leave with seventh inning feeling good. And the only reason the Dodger guy was sort of being charitable was because one to nothing going into the ninth inning. He figured Jensen would save the day. Jensen didn't save the day. Gave up the home run to Rizzo. Boom, end of game. So that is it. Setting up some great baseball at the end of the year. The Cubs have one more game tonight against the Dodgers. And the leading win guy in baseball, Rayu. I don't know how he really says it. Rayu, Ru, you. What if this was you, you? I mean, if you put Darvish together with Rayu... You got you, you. Anyway, it's getting late. Actually, not late, but. So, 
Ray Yu is pitching tonight, and Ray Yu is going up against Quintana. Now, that should be a good game the Cubs need to win. Last note on Quintana. Every time Eloy Jimenez hits a home run, I think, was that a good deal? It was a good deal. I'm sticking with the Q-man. He's good, but so is Jimenez. So is the guy that the Cubs gave away for Chapman. It got him a World Series. And Glavor Torres and a friggin' Yankee announcer. It's Glaber Day today. Every day is Glaber Day. Anyway, he's the lighter side of baseball. I guess we had to try to emulate that guy. Maybe we'll do our next podcast on the Yankee baseball broadcasting legends from Mel Ellen to Red Barber to whatever the guy's name is. It goes, oh, yeah. I hate that. That's it for now, folks. I'm sure that we have dazzled you with our return to old-time baseball, the Beanball Wars, number 21 from Roberto Clemente to Luis Valbuena. God love and God God, uh, may he rest in peace. To the Dog Pound, the Royals leading the Dog Pound. To the good boys, the Astros, the Dodgers, and I hate to say the Phillies. Cardinals seem to have a little enthusiasm going. And uh, this Father's Day, that's it. So for all of my cast of uh, one, my technical producer, Tyler, uh, may the day be long for you fathers. May the barbecue go spectacularly well, and may you hit every fairway. And may the Cubs win this Father's Day game up in L.A. tonight. And we have the U.S. Open, so I need to go check in on the KU grad, Gary Woodland. So until then, this is Jamie Reskin, the lighter side of baseball. I hope you guys are enjoying it. I'm trying to figure out how to get this feed onto Facebook and get all of my friends on Facebook. I think... uh, somewhere in the 10 to 15 person range, weighing in on the lighter side of baseball. So folks, have a great day, have a great week, and if anything comes up worth talking about, I will put it on the lighter side of baseball this coming week. So that's it for now. Have a great day.